Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. I want to turn your attention to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. The Lord has a word for us here. While you're turning there, I'm going to ask the church, the members of our church, and if you're a guest and you want to join us, we welcome you. Over the next three weeks, 21 days, I'm going to ask you to, to step up in your fasting and your prayer. And here's what we're going to do. If you already have a fast day, that's fine. If you don't have a fast day, I'm encouraging you to fast one 24-hour period this week. And I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. And... I'm also going to ask you to, to seek the Lord early. Seek the Lord early. You say, well, I'm not a morning person. Well, I know God's on the clock 24 hours a day, but I think our prayers are more effective early in the morning. And, uh, all right. Our prayers are more effective early in the morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, some of you I know have to be to work at 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 o'clock, all different times. What I'm asking you to do is get up early, and I've been doing it. I've done it my whole life, well, since I've been a teenage young man, and God gave me conviction about prayer, trying to develop a prayer life. And, and so we'll be up early as well with you, and just spend at least 30 minutes, if not an hour, in prayer. Now, that's the first week. The second week, and we'll make this known again next Sunday, let's set aside two days. You don't have to fast them consecutively. If you want to fast a day and then come off the fast for a day and then go back on in a day or so later, that's up to you. I'm not a- asking anybody to, to, you know, make yourself real uncomfortable, but fasting isn't all that much fun anyway. It's not designed to be fun. It's designed to, to sacrifice and to remind our flesh of who's in charge. And we do it as unto the Lord as a sacrifice so that He can have His way. And He works through us through fasting and prayer. And then continue that early morning prayer. And then the third week, I'm going to encourage you to set aside three days. That'll be the last week of this month. Three days during the week, maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, however you want to do it. But just coming back again and again and fasting and prayer. Here's why we're going to fast and pray. God is doing a work right now. The Lord is stirring up the heart of this church right now. Something has been going on in the Spirit. And I don't claim to understand all of it. I know some of it. I don't know all of it. But it's very important that we catch the wave. There's a wave of spiritual momentum. If you've ever seen a a guy surf the waves, you know exactly what I'm talking about. God sends waves of His Spirit. and And they wash over the church. And some churches just say, well, wasn't that a nice refreshing bath? And the wave goes on and they stay where they were. And then there's others that mount up and they they rise up and they start paddling and swimming and and moving and catch the momentum and the power of that wave. This is how the spiritual kingdom of God works. And so I'm asking you to increase your spiritual sensitivity and your personal godly discipline. And uh, I'm going to challenge you to do that this week, one day, next week, two days, the third week, three days. And then there's other things that are going on. It's all tied together, but... uh, a week from tomorrow, I'm being told, will be a very special meeting in the relocation of our church. Uh, our architect, 
our contractor and our engineering firm are all going to be meeting with the engineers at City Hall and we are meeting over a one issue in particular that I just found out is what really is holding up uh, the show. We all thought we'd be, have our groundbreaking already and moving forward, but I'm going to tell you everything that I know so that you can be praying with me about this. I believe it's already taken care of, but some of our hearts, I think, need to be assured today. Some of us are anxious. Some of us are worrying. Some of us are fretting. Listen, we're on God's time clock. And everything we need is here. Everything. I know the air conditioning isn't up to speed today, but we got some anyway. And we've got a place to grow, don't we? And we have Sunday school classrooms. We have teachers. We have a beautiful facility. And I thought about this this week. We are entering the sixth year of our, since we first cast the vision on Memorial Day weekend of 1999, we are in the sixth year. We thought we would be done by now. Looks like it's going to take about one more year. But in light of where we've come from, we've only got 15% of the journey to go. So it's no time to give up and it's no time to be discouraged and it's no time to say it's not going to happen. It is happening right now. But we need to come alongside God and partner with Him and, and work with heaven. And what's going on is, uh, some of you are aware, at the bottom of the bluff of our property, we have 43 acres where we're going to build a 41,000 square foot worship facility. And at the bottom of the property of the bluff, there's a road called Mears Road. It's nothing more than a glorified cow path. But the city is always looking for dollars to improve roads. So guess who they're coming to? And they want to come and hit us up for money to build this road. And I'm not going to give you all the arguments, but they don't have a leg to stand on. They didn't even ask the nursery guy to, to improve the road. And he stands to benefit. We'll never benefit, at least not the way our... Our site plan is configured the way it is. We've got to go up 100 feet to even to get to our site. And uh, so they're, they're asking us for some money, and we've got to get this resolved. And that's why we're bringing all the big dogs, as it were, downtown. And we're going to argue our side of the situation. And I apologize to the guests for taking so much time. But in the past, I have sought the Lord. I said, God, do I bring it to the church? Do I... Are people going to worry about this? And every time I seek the Lord, the Lord says, take my people on the journey and let them see my hand and my deliverance. So this is another reason why I'm asking you to fast and pray that a week from tomorrow on the 19th, we'll all go down there and I'm praying and asking God for a conclusive sign off on our part that we're not going to give them a dime for that road. Let somebody else that's going to develop that land down there, they can pay for it. We don't have deep pockets. We're not going to use the property. He hasn't asked anybody. They haven't got the money from anybody else. And so I'm going to ask you to, to pray with me about that. And I figure what my last argument's going to be is, you want money from our church? Great. Then you come and tell the life church. I ain't telling them. That's my final argument. Amen. But uh, I believe the Lord's going to fight our battle. But they've got to get this resolved before we can go forward. So, amen. Why don't we stand and let's just seek the Lord for a moment about this. Let's just pray for the open door to break ground. Let's just pray for breakthrough. Say, Lord, we're tired of waiting. We have waited for almost two years behind, waiting for the city to get all these issues resolved and all this business. It's time to move forward. Come on, let's lift up a mighty voice right now. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Amen. Be bold and courageous as you lift up your voice. Lord, we know that you can give us favor. 
We know that, Lord, as you stirred up the heart of Darius the king, you can stir up the hearts of the leaders of our city. And right now we ask you to go before us a week from tomorrow as we fast and pray and align and position ourselves in the will of God that you would make a way for us, Lord. We concede nothing to this request. Lord, we concede nothing to what they've asked us to do. And so we're asking you to make a way for us. We're asking you, Lord, to weave a path for us in the name of the Lord. And we pray that this project will go forward in your time. We thank you for breakthrough now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. I know that we've been standing quite a bit today, so I'm just going to let you be seated while we look to the scriptures for a few minutes. Today, I want to focus our attention on Joshua chapter 1. I believe the Lord has something for all of us here in this passage today. Verse 1 of Joshua 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now go arise over to this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I will give it to you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man, everybody say no man. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore... We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with endurance or patience the race that is set before us. Now I want you to notice this next phrase in particular. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. Everybody say, he's the author. Say, he's the finisher. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. There are finished carpenters and there are framing carpenters, roughing carpenters. I don't know who starts the faith, but God is the finisher. Amen. He is the finisher. He's the author or the beginning. He is the rough-in. He is the, the, the framing uh, beginning of our faith and he is the finisher of our faith. And my subject for a few minutes is this. Finished faith. Finished faith. And I want to tell you that whatever God has started in your life, He's going to finish it. 
Shall we be dismissed? No, I got a few more things to say. <laughs> That'd be enough. <clears throat> I'll tell you, what I, where, here's where I feel we are. I have a sense that there are people that are discouraged. And I think that is always the biggest battle of the child of God is discouragement. We pray about things that we don't see happening the way we want them to happen. We wait on God for His promises to come to pass. And nothing seems to be going right. And we have dreams and plans that don't seem to be coming together just the way we thought they should. And the biggest battle of the child of God is discouragement. Discouragement. But the word of the Lord says, He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Has the Lord begun a good work in anybody? You say, well, it's not very good right now. I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking, I'm talking about, did he start a good work in you? Did you ever feel good about your walk with God? Were you ever excited about your future? Did God ever give you a dream, a vision, a hope, a plan, and somehow, some way, it just went sour? It wasn't, it's not going the way that you wanted it to go. You know what is happening? There is an army of walking wounded in the church today. I'm talking about the church around the world. There is an army of people that are just laying by the side of the road that got run over by a steamroller, that got ambushed uh, by some sharpshooter, by some sniper, and there they are bleeding by the side of the road. Listen, God is not done with you. It's not over till God says it's over, and God hasn't said it's over yet. He hasn't said it's over yet. So it's too early to get discouraged. And it's too early to give up. You know, I'm so glad I'm not a Kansas City Royals fan right now. Now, some of y'all are trying to convert me, and I'm 16 years, and I still haven't been converted. I'll tell you what, those Minnesota Twins, they've been the cellar dwellers all these years and somehow they're I think they're in first place right now so I've been preaching better have you ever noticed that and preaching better lately no it has nothing to do with it but even though the Royals have been doing bad the first game I think it was this year opening day they were losing by about five maybe four five six runs I don't remember into the ninth inning that's the last inning and I was listening to the guys talk about the game on the radio after the game, and they were saying, oh, those people that left in the seventh inning, when they get in their cars and turn on their radios, they're going to be surprised. They left in the eighth inning, they're going to be surprised. They left in the top of the ninth inning, they didn't get their money's worth. They're going to be surprised. I hate to use such a carnal analogy, but that's exactly what I want to tell you. Amen. It's not over till God says it's over. It's not over till the final out is recorded. You don't know what the score is till the game has been brought to an, to an ending. Amen. So in the kingdom of God, nothing is over until God says, it is finished. And so if you don't want to miss anything, 
And if you want to know what the true score is, you got to hang around to the final out. If God orders something, then that means it's on the menu. And if it's on the menu, that means it's in the cupboard. If it's in the cupboard, it's in the kitchen. If it's in the kitchen, the cook can cook it. And it's just a matter of time until it comes out on the table. Praise God. If God originates something, he orchestrates, he orchestrates it until it's completed because he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now listen, we that are born of the water and the Spirit and truly born into the kingdom of God, we are a part of the church of the living God. And if you haven't been born into the kingdom of God, you can be born today, born again. That means repenting of your sins, turning from a past life, receiving water baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the washing away of your sins and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is initially evidenced by speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God enables you to do that and He empowers you to live a life that is free, that is victorious, and you couldn't tell it by some of us here today, hallelujah, but you can still be free in the Lord and you can still find peace with God. Come on, everybody smile at me. Some of us aren't enjoying our experience with God like we ought to. Amen. Praise God. Everybody all right? And that's how you get started. That's how you get born into the kingdom of God. And when you become a part of the church of the living God, you, friends, receive a destiny. I got to tell you something. I don't live my life every 24 hours wondering if I'm going to go to hell or not. Now, there's some preachers that make you want to think you're going to go, but I'm not one of them. I'm thinking I want to take as many to heaven with me as I can. Praise God. And, 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 and I don't live my life that way because I'm a part of a predestined church. Now, anytime I want to, I can take myself. Bible said, no man shall pluck you out. That's right. But you can take yourself out of the hand of God. But I don't live my life flipping a coin and say, heads I'm saved, tails I'm lost. Oh, no. This church is predestined. It will be conquering. It will be victorious until the day that Jesus Christ comes back for it. God is going to present to himself a glorious church without a spot on it, without a wrinkle in its garment, without a blemish on its garment. It will be victorious. The church will overcome the world. It will overcome the devil. It will overcome the spirit of Antichrist. It will overcome the mark of the beast. Even the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you can just get born again, your destiny is assured. Man, this is a great church. It's the church triumphant. And the light church, this local church that is a part of the bigger church, is a congregation also of destiny. It is our destiny to be everything that God wants us to be. It is our destiny to occupy the mountain at 10, 538, View High Drive and I-470. It is our destiny to continue to partner with God as He expands His kingdom here in the heartland and in the Midwest. And there is no doubt about it. It's going to happen. It's already been predetermined. It's already been decided. We're simply waiting for the entire picture to unfold. 
I want to tell somebody else your destiny today. You say, Pastor, I'm here. I'm not saved. I want to tell you something. The devil wants to make you think that you'll never be saved, that you'll never be redeemed, that you've done too much, you've said too much, you've thought too much, you've been exposed to too much evil, you've been involved in too many drugs and too much alcohol, living too much of a perverted life. I want to tell you that's a lie from the devil. As a matter of fact, God has already put his hand on you and he is already calling you because John 1, 9 says that Jesus Christ is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world and even though you've lived a lifetime of darkness, he's shining a light on your spirit today and he is drawing you into his kingdom. He's even drawing you right now into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. When I was seeking the Lord late last night, I was beginning to get into the presence of God and, and, uh, and bringing some of my concerns to the Lord and, well, yeah, my worries to the Lord. I kind of made it sound spiritual, concerns. I made it sound carnal when I said worries. But, and, and the Lord just empowered me to begin to thank Him for every problem I got. <laughs> Thanking him for all the headaches and all the things I, I don't know what to do with. And, and I began to thank God for the mess downtown at City Hall. We're trying to get through this thing. And I said, God, I just thank you for the project. And I thank you for challenging us. Listen, it's a privilege to be asked of God to do something extraordinary. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And I just thank God. I said, God, you trusted me. You trusted the life church, Lord, to do this. And the Lord began to release me to thank him and to get into his presence. And I just felt like I was mounting up with wings like an eagle and, and, and was soaring over the, the, the heartaches and the problems and all of the burdens and things that, that pastors and men of God carry in their life. And we're concerned about the people and, and wanting to see the people fed and wanting them to be blessed and don't wanting them to be troubled. It's kind of like a shepherd and sheep. The sheep are no good if the shepherd's troubled and the shepherd's no good if the sheep are troubled. And, and he's got to look out for them and make sure they're content and, and so that, that they, they can grow and they, they can be safe because if there's threat, if there's intimidation, if there's discontentment around, then the flock is not going to be. And so I was just taking all of these things to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, he said, I want you to, I want to get one thing straight with you. It's kind of how he said it. Impression in my heart. He said, I am not helping you do your project. You are helping me do my project. I thought that was pretty good. I said, oh, thank God for reminding me of that. That's right, Lord. It's your big deal. It's your project. Anything I can do, Lord. Listen, doesn't that take the pressure off? Say, God, I'm trying to, I'm trying to reach my friends. I'm trying to pay my bills. I, I'm trying to just live till the end of the month. I'm just trying to, you know, hang in there. And you know what the Lord wants to say to somebody here today? He's saying, look, you know, I'm not going to come alongside and help you. You're actually being, you're actually flowing in my will and I'm going to come alongside and help you do the thing that I already want you to do. I got Bible for it. 
it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Which means if you're a child of God and you're sought out by the Lord, then you are in the will of God as you daily consider his word and get on your face before God in prayer. And the desires that you have have been placed there by the Lord. And the Lord not only has given you the right desire, but he's given you the power and the anointing to do what he wants you to do. So God's not helping us, we're helping him. He's not helping us with our project, we're helping him with his project. Glory to God. I don't know if you know it or not, but that's a revelation. Amen. That makes a big difference when you're considering these things. Now, in these first few verses of Joshua, several times, matter of fact, in the book, in the entire book, six times, the Lord spoke to Joshua and said, Be strong. Amen. God will never ask you to do something that you cannot do. He will never ask you to be what you cannot be. But you can be because He can empower you to be. If God asks you to be something or to do something, that's a vision. And he will stand beside you and he will empower you to bring that thing to pass. So when he said to Joshua, be strong, he was saying, you can do it, boy. Just square your shoulders, stand up, and be strong. What he was saying was, Joshua, I don't need a whip right now. I don't need decisive. I don't need somebody that's wishy-washy. I need somebody to stand up, stand in the gap, square your shoulders, set your jaw, look the enemy in the eye, and move forward in my kingdom, in my economy, and with my permission. Six times he told Joshua, be strong. And then he added a little postscript, and be courageous. And then one time he said, be very courageous. And someone said, there is no presence of courage in the absence of fear. Fear and courage go together. And I'm sure that Joshua had human anxieties like all of us do about life's perplexities. And he had questions and concerns above and beyond all that he showed great courage as Israel moved forward into the promised land. Now, in this text that we read in, in, in Joshua, this is an exciting time for Israel. This is an exciting time, and it's going to speak to our hearts here today. The Bible says that they were subduing the enemy. They were taking cities for God. Entire cities were falling before them. Jericho and then Ai. Ai, there was a problem. There was sin in the camp. And once the sin was removed, then they took Ai and they're advancing and they're conquering. And, and it's, a, an ex, it's an exciting time as they're occupying their land. As a matter of fact, the scripture says, when the enemies of Israel heard that Israel was coming, their hearts melted and they became fearful. And some of them just lay down in the road and said, here, take it. You know, don't hurt us. And, and, and they were advancing, and, and the enemy's hearts were paralyzed with fear. And then there's an interesting episode that kind of summarizes the momentum that Joshua and the children of Israel had. In Joshua chapter 10, the Bible said that there were five kings that came against Joshua and the children of Israel. The kings sent out their armies to fight, and guess what the kings did? They went and had coffee in a cave. All right, you guys go out and whip up on Joshua and come back and tell us how it went. 
and the, the kings made it so easy for Joshua to find them. They were all hanging out in the same Starbucks. There they were, all in one place. And there's Joshua. He's out there fighting and, and defeating the enemy. And somebody says, Joshua, we found the five kings, and they're holed up in the cave. He said, I'll get to it when I can get to it. I don't have time right now. Just, I'll tell you what, throw a bunch of rocks, big old rocks over the mouth of the cave so they can't get out. I'll get to it in a minute. Don't you like it? Amen. Some of us, were, we got so much going on. If we had a crisis happen, we couldn't get to it for two weeks. And that's what, that's what was going on. Joshua's fighting and he's conquering and he's overcoming. He said, you tell those kings, you, uh, hold them up in there. I'll get there when I can get there. And so finally he defeats the enemy. He said, where are them kings at? And so they bring him to the cave. He said, roll away the stone. And they roll away the stone. And they went in and got the five kings and they brought them out. And I love what Joshua did. He said, come here, captains. He got all the captains of his armies. He said, I want these kings to lay down on the ground. They laid them down on the ground. He said, you captains, put your foot on their neck. And so those guys reached out with their foot and clamped it down on the necks of those kings. And he said, so shall the Lord subdue all of your enemies and put them beneath your feet. Can't you see those captains? They're new in this. It's fresh. They, there's that king. He's looking up. He's scowling, don't touch me, boy. And he puts his foot right on his neck and his, his juggler vein is pulsating underneath and, and he sees the sweat perspiring and coming off of his forehead and they put their, their feet on the kings and, and it was a way that God was demonstrating to Joshua and Joshua involved the captains in the demonstration that God was going to do the very same thing to all of their enemies. When was the last time you knew what it felt like to have all of your enemies under your foot. Come on. Come on. I want to tell you something. There are, you, you know why there's a blessing of God? You know why there's a touch of God? Because there are prayer warriors in this church. There are people that know how to get a hold of God. There are people that know how to pray. Some of us hadn't prayed except for three times a day over our meals. And now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul will keep little nighttime prayers. But there are people that have been burning the midnight oil. There are people that God's been tapping them on the shoulder and waking them up at 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. And the reason that there's a touch of God is somebody's been praying. Somebody's been locking up principalities and powers. And I want to tell you what, someday it's going to be your day. God is going to put the enemy that's been wrestling against you under your feet so that you can join the prayer team and begin to understand the thrill of subduing the enemy. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Joshua wanted these men to know how defeated the enemy was. He said, boys, put your foot on their neck. In other words, we've got authority. Everybody say authority. I want to talk to you about authority. I am convinced that the average spirit-filled believer does not live in the authority that is theirs. Some do, but most don't. God has given us authority. If we are the child of God, say, well, I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm paying my bills. I'm giving my tithe. I'm, I'm investing in this and that. I'm trying to be a wise steward. I don't understand what's going on with my finances. I don't understand what's going on with my marriage. I don't understand what's going on with my kids. I, listen, there are some things that are deeper than what meets the eye. 
I'm not going to spiritualize everything, but there are some things, there are things going on behind the scenes that we need to have the veil of our eyes taken away and have discernment to know how to address certain problems. Say, well, I don't know how to pray about it. Well, get in a prayer room and just start taking authority over something. Authority over what? Whatever comes to your mind. Amen. And start praying. Joshua wanted these men to know the power of authority. Let me explain authority to you. I guess I'm being carnal today using baseball, and now I'm going to use another carnal illustration. But when I was a kid, it made an impression on me. Some of you never, you're too young, you don't remember the old show called Gunsmoke. But there was Matt Dillon, the sheriff, or the marshal, and there was Festus. Old Festus. And whenever Matt would go out of town, he would thump Festus on the chest right where the badge was. He said, boy, I gave you the badge. If anything goes wrong, then you have authority to take care of it. And sure enough, if Matt was leaving town, Festus was going to have a heap of trouble. And when Matthew would come back, he said, well, Matthew, I, I told him cotton-picking renegades that I was going to lock them in the hooskow. That's jail for the 1850s in Dodge City. Here's the point. As long as Festus had the badge on, he was standing in the stead of Marshal Matt Dillon. And the reason that Festus could lock somebody in jail was because he had been deputized and was under the authority of Matt Dillon. Don't go home and tell somebody I was preaching gun smoke today. I'm a communicator, all right? And I'm going to tell you that Jesus Christ paid it all, spoiled openly principalities and powers. He humiliated the devil when he was crucified on Calvary. He went down into the bowels of the earth and led captivity captive. And he gave gifts to men, and he made an open display and a humiliating show of Satan. And Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. All power in heaven and earth has given unto me. And then he said, and you shall receive power. The reason that some of us have so much hell going on and we have so much turmoil in our homes and we have so many problems is because we're letting the devil get away with murder. And somebody needs to stand up and say, wait a minute, stop the presses. This isn't going another day. I'm taking authority. I'm putting the enemy under my feet. I'm under the authority of Jesus Christ. I'm under the authority of my pastor. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Yeah, that's nice. that's nice comic book stuff, but that's not reality. Listen, we have a fine family in our church, and I use this with permission today. Just a few months ago, was under one of the most incredible, bizarre spiritual attacks I've ever heard of as a pastor. A good family, Holy Ghost-filled family, living together in unity and harmony. But there were things that came against them right in the privacy of their own home. The devil is not bashful. 
Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He is out to steal you blind. He is out to kill everything that's living and destroy everything that's left. Then Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And so they, they were going through this battle for quite some time and, and they called one day and we went and, and talked about it and we prayed together and we prayed in every room and, and we took a prayer rock around the, around the property and, and their testimony to this day is that those events that were occurring, those things that were going on have not happened from that day to this but the brother took time and wrote me a letter and said, Pastor, I realize that part of the problem and why we were experiencing these things is that we were not in, in relationship under spiritual authority. But since we got that relationship where it needs to be, he said, we have enjoyed liberty and freedom. Listen, I am not saying that you need to come and bow and scrape at my feet because I'm the pastor of the church. We don't play those kinds of games here at the Life Church. All you've got to do is say in your heart, I am under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you are a man, if you are a woman, and you are married to a godly man, you can say, I submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and to, the, to my husband who is over me in the Lord. If you don't have a husband, you can say, I submit to the authority of my pastor and whoever you are, you can submit to the authority that God has given to us. And I want to tell you, the the anointing that is upon us. God's going to put a badge of anointing on you. God's going to put an authority on your life and you can enjoy liberty and you can enjoy freedom. Listen, I've got a word for some dad, some mom, some single parent today. You can just rise up and say, that's it. That's it. I'm going to live in the victory where Christ makes free. Listen, if you're not under authority, you don't have authority. But if you're under authority, you've got authority. It's that simple. The Roman centurion came to Jesus. He said, heal my servant. He's sick. And he said, I'm not worthy that you would even come to my house. Just say the word, for I understand how you work. For I'm also one under authority. And when I say to someone, go, he goes. And I say to someone, come, and he comes. And I realize that you have authority. And you do these works by the authority that you're under. And Jesus took a step back and he marveled at his faith. He said, you go your way. And the report was that in the very same hour, the servant was healed. Do you hear it? That's why... You can call me at 4 o'clock in the morning if you want to. you probably wake me up, but you can call me, but you don't have to. You just get up and lay your hand on that fevered brow of that child and say, by the authority of Jesus Christ, I'm under the authority of Christ. I'm under the authority of the Word of God. I'm under the authority of my pastor. I'm under the authority of my small group minister. I'm under the authority of my youth pastor, whoever it is. And Lord, by the authority that has been delegated to me, I take authority over this spirit, over this infirmity, over this sickness and this disease, and it's got to go! Am I in the book today? Amen. You have authority if you are under authority. Woo. Praise God. You know, there were two things that Jesus did at least once at the beginning of his ministry and once at the end. One of them was he cleansed the temple. He cleansed the temple at the beginning of his ministry and he cleansed the temple at the end of his ministry. He got it straightened out in the beginning and he straightened it out just before he left at the end. And the second thing that he did at the beginning, the end of his ministry, 
was that he began to minister according to Mark chapter 3 after he had chosen his disciples after an all-night prayer meeting he then the first thing he said to them in Mark chapter 3 15 he said I give you authority to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils how many knows that the devil's on on the advance I've been talking to parents raising children of all ages and all hell is breaking loose somebody needs to stand up and say uh-uh not anymore not on my watch no no that's not the way we're going that's not the way we're going to live that's not the direction we're going to set God has given you authority to do it amen Jesus started out as his disciples with authority that's how they started out like gangbusters they shot out of the cannon and they started casting out devils and healing sicknesses and diseases and then in the same book, the last chapter, chapter 16, after his resurrection, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He got it covered from the beginning all the way to the ending. The disciples were casting out devils and commanding sicknesses and diseases to leave. And I'm telling you, friend, this church was born in authority and it's going to be taken out in authority. The church of the last day is not going to be any less greater than the church of the early church. And God's coming back for a church that is still treading on scorpions and serpents and we're still taking authority over devils and diseases and sicknesses. Amen. God's coming back for a victorious church. Oh, I wish somebody would clap your hands like you mean it right now. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Glory to God. You got time for one more point? 50% of you do, and the rest of you are just being kind. <laughs> Amen. Now, I wish I could tell you that when Joshua and the children of Israel were going through Canaan land that they totally wiped out the enemy and they subdued every work that was against them but that is not the case and here's the message for you today the children of Israel are gonna rise up and preach to somebody right now the Bible says that God had given them authority over the enemy. He, he told them, he said, drive out the enemy. But there's another passage where the Lord actually said, and I will drive them out before you. See, they took up swords and spears and shields, but it was really God that was driving them out. Yeah. You are no match for the enemy by yourself. Oh, no. Jesus told Simon Peter, he said, Simon, I prayed for you that your faith would fail not. And when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. And before he told him that, he said, Satan hath desired you to sift you as wheat. One commentary said, to toss you in the air like a beach ball. That's exactly what the devil can do to you if you don't know Jesus and if you're not under his authority. He'd toss you like a beach ball. And so it was really God that was driving out the inhabitants of the land that God had given to their fathers, Abraham. But the children of Israel failed 
to drive them out. Listen to this sequence in Judges chapter 1, verse 27. However, Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants, for the Canaanites were determined to dwell in the land. Verse 29, nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites. Verse 30, nor did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants. Verse 31, nor did Asher drive out the inhabitants. They, they did not drive them out. In verse 33, Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants of the land. Friend, that's a problem. You say, well, what am I supposed to drive out? Well, I'm glad you asked. What is your promised land? It's very simple. Your promised land is you. Your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, or your heart. That is your promised land. And God has given you authority under his command to have full, and I want you to understand this in the context of the children of Israel, we give God control, but God wants you to have full possession and complete occupation of your mind, body, soul, and spirit. And anything less is compromise. And just like the children of Israel, we are conceding to enemies that we have power and authority to defeat. Luke 21, 19. In your patience, possess ye your, your souls. God wants you to possess your soul. Not give it over to the rule of the enemy. Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your that means renovation, like a landlord kicking out an undesirable tenant and cleaning up the place and getting it ready for somebody new. God wants you to have possession of your mind. And every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, like a Canaanite, you need to drive it out. Woo! Don't let your mind be overwrought. Don't let your mind be a cesspool. Don't let your mind be the devil's playground. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Colossians 3.15 Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. My God, drive it out. That's your promised land. My mind is my promised land. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's my promised land. My spirit and my heart and my soul is the promised land. I'm going to occupy it. I'm going to take full possession of it. I'm not going to concede one square foot to the devil. I'm going to occupy my mind with the Word of God. I'm going to occupy my soul with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to occupy my body with worship and sacrifice and service unto God. Oh, hallelujah. That's what's going on. It's a battle for the mind. It's a battle for the soul. It's a battle for the spirit. It's a battle for the heart. Drive them out. You have authority to drive every work of the flesh out. That's what the modern day Canaanite is. The Canaanites of today are the works of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are these, Galatians 5.19. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, 
idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you right now, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What do I do about it? Drive them out. Drunkenness, get out of here. Envy, you stole my heart for the last time. Jealousy, fornication, I'm not getting in bed with you again. I'm not wasting my time with you. You make me feel worse than what I felt uh, before I started entertaining you. I'm driving you out, perversion. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Uh, I'm not giving my mind uh, over to those perverted thoughts ever again. Uh, I'm going to take possession. I'm going to take full occupation. I'm driving out the Canaanites. How many knows what I'm talking about? That's what it takes. And it's time for somebody to get the whip in your hand like Jesus did and cleanse the temple and say, my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) You know what I think you ought to do? Every once in a while, you ought to just go beat up something. From the devil. You ought to just conquer something. Just to see if you can still do it. You say, well, pastor, I'm not really aware that I'm living in any deep, dark sin. So what? I'm talking about this flesh. Just. I, I, I'm a communicator, so I got to tell you what I'm thinking. Every once in a while, when that flesh wants to read anything that's not spiritual. And I'm not saying we shouldn't read the newspaper and we can't read uh, fictional novels that are not destructive. But every once in a while, we just need to remind the flesh, listen, you listen to me. I don't listen to you. You listen to me. Every once in a while, you just need to grab it and throw it down. Just conquer it. Say, well, I went on another day. I went on a one-day fast. Well, go another day. And for nothing else, just to make sure you got your body under. It's under. Oh, I'm in the Holy Ghost today. Amen. Every once in a while, just put an enemy under your foot just to make sure he knows who he is and where he belongs. I'm going to tell you where Israel started their problem in not driving out the enemy. And I'm, I'm, I'm coming. I'm landing the plane. I'll tell you where they started. It was early on in their conquest. Do you remember the story? Some of you Bible scholars do. When they were moving and shaking and quaking and taking the nation and taking Canaan land. And the Gileadites came. And Gilead was only 20 miles away. But they acted like they were from a distant, far country. And they said, Joshua, your fame has come before you. They built up his ego. And before they got there, they threw a bunch of dirt on their horses and they threw dirt all over themselves and dust and they got old moldy bread and they got old dusty wineskins and old raggedy, trashy clothes to make it look like they had traveled for months and months and months and months and months and they was only over the next hill. 
and said, we've heard of your authority and your power and we're afraid of you and, and, and we've come to make a league with you. The Bible plainly says that Joshua did not seek the Lord. They were drunk on their conquest and they didn't seek the Lord, which means they didn't have discernment and prayer is what gives you discernment between right and wrong, white and black in the sense of goodness and evil. And God gives you a sense of that when you're focused on Him and when you're in a spirit and attitude of prayer. But they didn't seek the Lord. And they made the league with the Gileadites. And then when it was found out that they were only 20 miles away, Joshua said, all right, your penalty is going to be that you're going to be hewers of wood and bearers of water all your days. And even through the days of Nehemiah building the walls, there were Gileadites that were still cutting wood and carrying water. Joshua kept his agreement. But I tell you what it did. It set a direction for compromise. Their league with the Gileadites set a direction. That's why they didn't drive them out. Do you know why they didn't drive them out? Because they didn't drive them out. That's all there is to it. They just didn't drive them out. So what Canaanite is trying to keep its foot in the door in your life? What work of the flesh? What's trying to keep you discouraged from trusting God and believing in Him for the never before? It's time to drive it out. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is not finished with your faith until he's finished with it. Until he's completed what he started. I want you to stand with me. Oh. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He started it. He will finish it. Praise God. We're going to spend a few moments in the presence of God here. And uh, I don't know really how to do this, but we've had, we've had breakthrough today and we're having the presence of God and move of God's Spirit. But I wonder if there's incomplete victory here today. If there are incomplete conquests of your mind, your soul, your body, your spirit. You rise up in faith. Whatever that enemy is, it's got to go. Whatever it is, it's got to flee. Amen. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want us to just close our eyes and lift our hands in the presence of God right now. Say, God, I want to recognize my authority. I want to recognize who I am. Lord, I want to live in my deliverance. I want to live in my freedom and in my liberty. Come on. Come on, that's right. Lift your hand. Lift your voice. They say, well, I'm free. I'm delivered. Well, what about somebody else? Do you have enough for somebody else? Do you have something to give to somebody else? Amen. There are people here today that need to leave this house delivered. They need to leave this house. They deserve to leave this house free from every chain, from every bondage, from every temptation, from every wile of the enemy from every device of the devil. In the name of Jesus, Lord, come and lead us right now. I need your direction right now, Lord, to know what to do in this house right now. 
I know that you are doing a work. I know that you have done a work. I'm asking you to come and lead this place right now. Holy Spirit, take control. Holy Spirit, take control of every heart, of every home, of every life, of every mind, of every body, of every soul. We come under the Lordship and the authority of Jesus Christ. Of Jesus Christ. Of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. We've been made more than conquerors. We've been made more than conquerors through Him who loved us. If you're a parent today and you have a child that you're concerned about that child is here you have authority you as a parent have authority over the thing that comes against that child So that's the first altar call. If you want to go gently bring your child to this altar. Your child is sick. Your child is afflicted. Your child is on the horns of a dilemma, in the throes of decision, in some kind of, some kind of battle, some kind of struggle. I tell you what, if I was a teenager, I knew my mom and dad loved me, I, would, I wouldn't be embarrassed. I wouldn't be ashamed if I was an eight or nine-year-old child. I would want to know that my parent loved me enough to gently lead me to an altar and was willing to put their life on the line and take authority over whatever it is that torments and troubles me. That's the first altar call. Come on. Come on. The second altar call is for just any guest, any person here today that wants to be free. You want want your soul to be set free. You want chains to be broken in your life. You just, you just, you feel spiritually oppressed of the enemy and you recognize it now for what it truly is. You want to be set free. That's the second altar call. I want you to come on. Come on. That's right. I want you to come on. Hallelujah. You parents that are already here, I want you to start taking authority. I want you to speak authoritatively. Amen. It's time to speak authoritatively right now. In Jesus' name. Come on. If you're a, if you're a young person today and you want to live in a freedom and a liberty that you're not living in, that you know is there, that you've had in the past, but you don't have it now, I want you to come on. Come on. Come on right now. There's authority in this house. And you need to submit yourself to the powers that be for they are ordained of God. Submit yourself to the gift of government. Submit yourself to the law enforcement of our society. Submit yourself to spiritual authority so that you can overcome the thing that comes against you. That's right. Come on. Now, I need some intercessors. I need some prayer warriors that will come and join me around this altar. We need to take authority over the principalities and powers of Kansas City so that we can see an unprecedented harvest. Come on, can I have some prayer warriors? Can I have some people come forward with me now that want to see revival in Kansas City? 
You want to see God do a work and you want to see the kingdom of God grow and expand and move forward. Come on, we can rise up. We can rise up like a mighty army. Come on, we need some prayer warriors. We need some intercessors. We need some people that are not afraid to go into the spiritual dimension of prayer. In the name of Jesus, that's right. Come on and help us. Come on and help us, that's right. Come on, moms and dads. Come on, husbands and wives. Come on, parents and children. Come on, young men. We've got some young people up here that need to feel the hand of an adult upon their head right now. We need some adults to come up and help us pray. Come on, that's right. We're more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Oh, I plead the blood. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.